Welcome to The Journey, a podcast series by Christ Life Ministries, focused on renewing, restoring, and equipping leaders. And that's exactly it, isn't it? That God's actually in the business of renewing and restoring us. That He doesn't want us to live disconnected, discombobulated, panic-filled lives. But he wants us to respond to the disruptive emotion that we feel regularly and use it as a sign or an indicator that we need to move back towards him. That we've got to come before the Hebrews 4 throne of I will do it for you again. For some of us, <laughs> it's a it's a moment by moment, hour by hour experience. We're so aware of our inability that we find a great peace, a solace, and moving towards Him, having a day that's filled with returning to Him. Boy, if that was what we all could glean from these podcasts, if we begin to put that into practice, if we begin to tap into the provisioning that's available for us to live with God in that way, man, oh man, watch out. The world better put on the seatbelt <laughs> because God would use us profoundly, powerfully in this generation. And Lord, we just bow before you. What do we bring to the table apart from you? We truly are the, the branch. Everything that's good comes from you. And we bless you. Lead this time. Amen. I'm so fired up to be with you today. In fact, I'm in the office in stealth mode. (laughs) I decided to come in before the family was awake because I wanted to get this podcast done. I'm so fired up about the true identity portion of the journey. If you're following this series of podcasts, last week is fresh in your memory that we kicked off true identity by talking through some simple principles, the first and foremost was this idea, this concept of identity insecurity, that it comes from our attempts to find stability in things that by nature aren't stable. We then waded into the performance equation. It's that, it's that golden carrot at the end of the stick. It's promising great rewards, great value. But when we begin to try to collect or or gain value independently from God, what we find is a crisis of identity creating a sense of bondage to approval and ultimately to performance. Man, that's no, no way that anybody wants to live. Yet nonetheless, I mean, some of us might be listening to this podcast and say, wow, okay, that's me. That would certainly be true for me. Back in the day, feeling like people had a measure of power over my life, like their opinion had the power to sink my ship. I would rise and fall from a value standpoint on their opinion of my performance. Well, no more, man. God God does not want us to live according to the opinion of men. He wants us to rest in his un 
changing opinion of us. Man, that's life-changing. Well, this section of True Identity, this podcast starts with an experiential. We call it the firewall experiential. I'm going to do my best to describe, explain what you would be seeing drawn up on the dry erase board in my office. What you want to do on a piece of paper right now, if you have it, if not, just stop the podcast and go get a sheet of paper or a napkin or or whatever you can write on. Uh, you're probably going to need a pen or pencil too. This would be a little bit difficult other than for our tech-savvy friends who are listening to create on the fly in a, a Word document. You want to draw a box on the left-hand side. You want to draw an elongated rectangle in the middle, which will represent the firewall. And then you want to draw a box on the other side of the firewall. So it'll look like a box with a long rectangle right next to it and a box on the other side. What you want to do is begin to ask a series of questions. Over the box on the right-hand side, I want you to write the words, Ideal Me. And what I want you to do is just be ridiculously honest with yourself. You see, the Ideal Me box represents all of the ideal perspectives that you have of yourself. The ideal me box does not contain things that you might be good at. They're the things that you would love to be known as great at. Leaders that I work with, if they're free enough and safe enough to be honest, as they begin to daydream or or just kind of consider what it is that they dream about, things like this would come forward. I want to be known in my region as one of the best communicators. I want to have over 10,000 followers on Facebook <laughs> or whatever. Whatever the other Twitter, I guess that would be another option. <laughs> they dream about churches that are up and to the right in numbers where we started off with maybe 100 or 200 congregants and now we're up to 1,000, 1,500, 5,000. They dream about being the guru or the person within their denomination that that has the goods to bring, if you will, regarding church growth or evangelism or leadership development or whatever. Maybe they daydream about their parenting or their their marriage. They dream about being a dad that their kids look back on and, and say, I had the best dad in the world. You see, some of these daydreams, some of these these things that we hold on to aren't all that bad. But going back to the beginning of true identity, if we're basing our sense of identity on our performance or people's approval, we're in a bad place. We're re-injuring ourselves daily. So what you want to do with a with a leader, actually what you want to do with, with yourself as you're leading yourself, is in that box, I want you to make a list of, of the ideal me statements that you have, that you daydream about, or maybe that you've lost as you began to lose hope years ago. Again, 
if you're beginning to go into this this place of saying giving me one plus one equals Jesus answers here, you're not getting the point of the experiential. You need to be looking into the ways that you've engaged in identity and security through daydreaming, through imagining, through through your imagination and forward looking kind of dealing with the the brokenness that you feel inside in the here and now i want you to get that person down on paper the next thing that you need to do is you're looking to the left now and looking at this elongated rectangle i want you to fill that rectangle up with the things that you needed to do to ensure the ideal me maybe it's that you went to seminary and got your mdiv and maybe you graduated with honors. Maybe you decided to go on and get a D-min or a PhD. Maybe your firewall includes crazy hours in your office where you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week to get your church plant up and functional. Or maybe you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week getting your sales up and to the place where you can be proud of them. Maybe you're working incessantly at home where you have like a family in our neighborhood. Uh, They've been trying to get pregnant for forever. They just had twins. My goodness sakes alive. The work that you've got to put in times two with twins is just crazy. Maybe you are incessantly investing yourself and and surrendering your desires for the sake of your children. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to get what it is that you need to do in order to get the ideal me realized recorded in this section. So again, I want you to have fun with this. Maybe it won't be fun for you. Maybe this is this doesn't feel all that good because you know where it's going. But nonetheless, put the time in and this will be a real eye-opening reality check for you. So in the box on the right-hand side, it's labeled the ideal me. You've brainstormed what that content is. Again, I'm going to encourage you. It will not include being adequate at anything. It's great, unforgettable, (laughs) generation-changing type of content. The rectangle is what do I have to do to ensure the ideal me Now we're over to the other box, and that's, I want you to label that the broken me. To collect the information that's necessary for this box, I want you to go back to some of your more broken moments in life. Moments where you totally blew it, dropped the ball, failed, were embarrassed. And I want you to collect the one word or short sentence messaging, negative messaging. You could do nothing more maybe than to go back, if you're having a hard time figuring this out, to your awareness work and look at those core distortions that have been drawn out of the awareness work that you did. Maybe it's, I'll never be enough, or I'm stupid, or if anyone truly knew me, they would reject me. It might be, I'm all alone and I'll always be alone. Or it might be just a bunch of, again, one word negative statements. Idiot, fool, incompetent, failure, 
fraud. I want you to get down as many that are genuine as possible. Of course, we're not creating negativity here. We just need to tap into what's been rolling around in the back of our heads, our hearts, for for some of us decades, and get it down on paper. As you're looking at the content of this firewall experiential, some of you might be me where I looked at this and I thought, oh no, <laughs> I, I have a feeling of what's coming and this is not going to be good. <laughs> what the first big takeaway that we need to glean from this experiential is that as much as we'd like to believe that the ideal me is driving the equation, meaning driving all that I have to do, it's the primary motivator behind all that I have to do in the firewall to accomplish my goals, the opposite is actually true. That, that it's the broken me that drives this equation. It's my brokenness, the damage that I've experienced in life that causes me to build my firewall and ultimately reach for things that might solve the problem. In fact, if you'll right now look at the items that you have listed, the descriptors that you have listed in the ideal me and compare them to the content that you have recorded in the broken me section, you'll see correlation. You'll see that those broken statements drive us towards daydreams that free us or attempt to free us from our brokenness. So the first, again, takeaway is that that the ideal me, as much as we'd like to wrap it in language that, that sounds good, like this is my calling, God has called me to make a big impact in my generation, well, maybe he has. But as long as we have unprocessed wounds and distortions in play in our lives, and as long as we're engaging in the game of trying to supply for ourselves a sense of value and esteem, we are being driven in life by brokenness. And the sooner that we can admit it, the sooner that we can begin to move towards wholeness. The second big takeaway from this experiential is that the more we invest in trying to build out the ideal me, the more we're injuring ourselves. The more we're actually cementing, putting into stone, if you will, the broken me statements, the more that I'm caught up in the doom loop of providing value for myself, the more I'm stuck with brokenness as my foundation and my performance as my means for escape. And that's a terrible place to live. The third takeaway is just simply this. The more the longer I allow myself to be defined, valued by performance and approval, the more I'll lose track of or sight of the unique way that God's made me, wired me, and called me to live in this generation. Eric Fromm says it like this. He says, today we come across an individual who behaves like an automaton, who does not know or understand himself. The only person that he knows is the person that he's supposed to be whose meaningless chatter has replaced communicative speech, whose synthetic smile has replaced genuine laughter, and whose sense of dull despair has taken the place of genuine pain. Two statements may be said concerning this individual. One is that he 
suffers from defects of spontaneity and individuality, which may seem to be incurable. At the same time, it may be said of him that he does not differ essentially from the millions of the rest of us who walk upon this earth. <laughs> That's unbelievable, dude. I would love to just kind of high five that guy, meet him someday. Because that statement is really true. Do you see how that really drives home the last takeaway from this experiential? And that is if I allow myself to be deriving a sense of value from people's approval in my own performance, I'm going to fine-tune my performance in order to get as much approval as I possibly can. And in doing so, I'm embracing a plastic, a synthetic version of myself instead of the version that Jesus has called me to live out in this generation. Here's another way to look at what I just said. It's a, another experiential that's in this this week's portion of the journey. It's called the Uniquely Me Experiential. What I want you to do on that same piece of paper, or if you don't have any more room on that piece of paper, grab another or turn it over. I want you to draw a funnel as best you can. In the top of the funnel, the large side of the funnel, I want you to write these words as if it represented the content of the wide side of that funnel. Write the words personality, gifting, resources, experiences. That that really, when you're thinking about the the, the total potential of a life, the wide side of the funnel represents everything that's in play. Everything that we've learned, everything that we've been wired to do, everything that we're uh, inclined or like to do. Uh, every success and everything that we've learned from failures that represents the 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 totality everything the spirit of god brings to the table that represents the totality of of what is available for us to use in life now the bottom end of the funnel represents those character qualities or experiences that I can trust will provide the best yield or the best results in providing a sense of value for me. I remember seeing something like this illustration uh, with Terry Wardle down in Ashland, Ohio. It blew me away because it so exposed my life. So up in the top of the funnel, all of our potential What's dripping or what's what's clogging up or is the bottleneck, the bottom of the funnel, are the things that I lean into too much to provide the highest potential for or probability for valuing, for approval. What ends up happening is that that we play like playing a record to like stud ruts in Alaska. You know, you've got studded tires. You drive in the slow lane. There are grooves that are made in the slow lane as a result of the number of cars that drive on that freeway with studded tires. In the same way, these specific areas of gifting that have yielded for us in the past, we lean in them so much on them so much that they create ruts in our lives and we stand in the way of the many amazing things that God might want to do through our lives if we were just trusting 
living with stable value and open to being used in the way that God wants us to be used. I remember a leader I was working with years ago, as we were going through this section of the journey, he said, man, I got a perfect example of what you're talking about. It happened this last Sunday. He said, we're in the middle of a teaching series, a teaching series, which, by the way, was going to be packaged up and sold. I don't know if they paid for downloads or what they were, whether they were still burning CDs or, or what they were doing. But nonetheless, there were five messages in this series, and he was on the last one. He said, Greg, we've got two services at my church, a 9 and 11. The 9 is kind of the trial. I get to go out there, preach the message, and then I can tweak it because we're going to record it for the 11 o'clock service. He looked at me and he said, 9 o'clock was explosive. And I left the service thinking, man, I wish they would have recorded that because we would have gotten the five messages all together, and it was going to be what he said. It was going to make a huge impact. <laughs> He's now in the 11 o'clock service with a lot of confidence because he saw what God did in the nine. He gets halfway through the message, and he has this moment where God was moving so powerfully. He just sensed that God was asking him to get off the page, to stop the message invite his congregation to stand and then to sing that chorus then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art and you know how we can think about multiple things at the same time well he's preaching his message hearing god leading him in that direction sensing that god was leading him there and then he's arguing with himself because he knows that he's got a subpar voice and he doesn't want his voice and this moment to be captured on the recording and listened to by people all over the nation. <laughs> so he steps away from, from what God ultimately wanted him to do in that moment and he regretted it the rest of his message. The, mess the rest of the message was, in his opinion, subpar. He, he forsook the potential that God had placed in him in order to, to secure a sense of value for himself. Well, we do these types of things all the time. Instead of in bondage to approval and performance, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to begin in this moment the process of setting us free. You see, it's not just you. You've believed that you're uniquely broken. And as a result, getting untangled is going to be uniquely difficult. Just hear God's heart today. Your brokenness is not uncommon. God understands it. And is more than able to free you to live the life that he has designed you to live. You might just stop right now and, and push pause on this podcast and kneel before him and just say, I just offer all of myself to you, Jesus. Who do I have but you? And I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I'm tired of trying to produce in order to be valued. 
just begin the process of, of unpacking that and you'll experience God begin the process of liberating you. We've got one more thing that we need to hit in this segment, and it's a tool that we use called leadership and identity and security. I, th- I think it's valuable in the sense that that the realities that are contained in, in this handout, this PDF that I have, uh, aren't just related to leadership. There's a universal sense of applicability with it. So let me just read this as, as the closing portion of this segment. Again, this is called Leading with Identity and Security. Here are five snapshots of brokenness in action that we might discover are true for us as we're living a life of identity and security. The first is this, that leading from identity and security will often create a crisis of maturity. These leaders can over-respond to trivial matters, struggle with feeling misunderstood, and are often defensive when confronted. Number two, Leading from identity insecurity will often create a crisis of authority. These leaders can become over-domineering or utterly passive as they attempt to protect the positive image of themselves they strive to maintain. Number three, leading from identity insecurity will often create a crisis of priorities. These leaders tend to major on the minors, expending too much time and energy on image management and self-protection. Number four, leading from identity insecurity will often create a crisis of integrity. These leaders will regularly feel a need to pretend to be something that they're not. And finally, number five, leading from identity insecurity will often create a crisis of dependency. These leaders tend to swing between extremes, either utterly dependent on others to give them a sense of value or walled off and not allowing themselves to be vulnerable to anyone. I usually ask the question, So where are you on this list? I had a leader just recently say, boy, those all are true for me. (laughs) I, I don't want you to be discouraged today. If you're willing to be honest with yourself, probably more than one of those statements applies to you. I want you to look at those statements, these realities, as nothing more than just a warning light on the dashboard. Nobody likes to get a warning light on the dashboard, but no one likes to have an engine blow up either. And the warning light might keep you out of serious, serious trouble, a serious breakdown. And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to take the content of this podcast, the realities of the firewall, the realities of of the uniquely me experiential, the realities of this leading with identity and security. And, and I want you to ponder it prayerfully for a few days. I want you to take a highlighter and highlight things that are uniquely true about you, even things that you hate. Nobody's going to see this but you unless you want to share it with your spouse or, or, or share it with a friend or share it with your pastor. Nobody's going to see this, but it's in a moment of honesty. It's actually a moment of integrity 
where you're leaving behind all of the the performance and pretending and you're purposefully engaging reality as you're grappling with what's really true what's online in your life bring it before the Hebrews 4 throne of I will do it for you don't shove it down or obscure it or hide it any longer the first step towards freedom and things like this is cracking it open in complete honesty with God. You know, Isaiah 63, 9 says that God allows himself to be afflicted by the afflictions of his people. Not only does he want to be with you in this discovery process, but he feels your brokenness deeply. It leads to empathy with him and ultimately to intercession where he prays for us, walks with us, guides us, journeys with us through our valley of brokenness until he makes it a place of springs. Some of you, all of us, really need him to do that, don't we? Would you pray with me? Lord, have mercy on us. Don't forget that we're we're dust, that we are made from dust and dust will return. Lord, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's your offer of help that leads us to reach out and grab your hand and go with you. And so I'm just asking right now, Lord, you're revealing unhealthy patterns because it's your desire, it's your commitment to set us free. Whom have we but you, Lord? Come and bring deliverance, a sense of breaking chains. Break our chains, Lord. And we'll trust you to do that. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.